Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Yes, you're tuned into 3CR Community Radio, and I'm Iris, and I'm joined in the studio with Tracy. How are you going, Tracy? Hello, how are you? I'm okay. Just a bit hectic today, but um, yeah, I'm okay. And thanks to Encyclopedia for the previous hour. Um, but first, I'd just like to give an acknowledgement of country that we're broadcasting over the stolen lands, broadcasting on and over the stolen lands of the Kulin Nations, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples, and I'd like to acknowledge that Indigenous sovereignty was never ceded. Um, the processes of colonisation and genocide are still ongoing on these lands, and I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present, and future. And I'd like to acknowledge any Indigenous people listening into the broadcast today. Um, yeah, it's been interesting times lately in terms of some things I think I'll talk about later will be the My Health record, which I think a lot of discussion online about the negative impacts this is happening on different communities, including queer people, sex workers, and many other people. Um, and also got for this show, I've got a, going to be talking to Danica Hardman, um, who's from the Community Restorative Centre and done a lot of work around a lot of research into the overrepresentation of lesbian and bi women in prison in Australia. And so we'll be talking to Danica soon. So st- stay tuned to Queer on 3CR Community Radio. Thank you. And you're tuning to Queer if you just joined in. I'm just going to put hopefully Danica on air now. Can you he- hear us, Danica? Hello. Yeah, Hi. we can hear you as well. Thank you. <laughs> And also joined Hi. in the studio with Tracy as well. Um, hey, Tracy. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. Good to hear you. So, yeah, I saw Danica recently at the LGBTIQ Women's Health Conference, and Danica was presenting um, as part, as a worker in the Community Restorative, Restorative Centre, doing a lot of work around women transitioning from prison and adjusting to life after prison. And Danica presented mm. a talk on the incarceration of lesbian and bisexual women in, in Australian prisons and pointing out how overrepresented they are in the system. Um, <clears throat> how did you find the conference in general? Um, yeah, I thought, I thought the conference was really good. There were some really good speakers. There were some good panels. Um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed the Aboriginal Voices panel mm-hmm. towards the end of the first day. That was really fun. Mm. There was some good stuff around sex work and sexual health as well. Wow. Yeah, I yeah I got a lot, of, a lot out of those presentations too. Um, yeah, I guess starting with that, in terms of the settler colonialism that this country is founded on is going, I guess, mm. and you started your presentation as well uh, on this, what's happening with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women in the criminal injustice system. Yeah, massively, massively overrepresented. Mm. I think of all women in prison, 34% are <clears throat> Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander, wow. which is a massive overrepresentation. 
And I think I saw a stat recently that between 2011 and 2017, it increased by 74%. So like as a demographic, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women are the fastest growing group incarcerated in Australia at this, at this moment. Mm, yeah, it's deeply concerning. Yeah, yeah, um, it's really bad. It's horrible. It has such a um, hugely disruptive impact on on these women. Cause, um, <clears throat> it's also a lot of them are serving shorter sentences, shorter sentences of three or four months. But during that time, you could have lost your house, you could have lost your kids. Yeah. Mm. Um, and when you're getting locked up on a lot of the time, petty drug charges, um, you know, crime related to poverty. Mm. Resist arrest, things like this. Unpaid it's, fines. It's a really, really sad. Yeah. Unpaid fines. Wow. Yeah, it's a really, really, really sad state of affairs. It needs needs a lot more attention, I think. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> part of the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Mm, yeah, definitely is. Um, and we we heard at the conference. Aletta, Aletta Manton, who's the Aboriginal sister girl, we spoke to a lot of those issues as well, including in your um, panel. And I'll link a, Gof- I'll link a GoFundMe in the show notes as well because she definitely needs a lot of support. She's done a lot of advocacy around this um, mm. against like these struggles against racism, transmisogyny and settler colonialism. Um, yeah, and she's still pushing for justice in terms of the violence she's to deal with and we know like Aboriginal trans women like Veronica Baxter have been murdered by the state in custody. Um, so yeah, these things are really important to be centered. Um, but now going, I guess, back um, to the research you've done, what does the research you've done say about the numbers of lesbian and bi women in prison? Yeah, so <clears throat> I started working at the Community Restorative Centre where I'm working at the moment last year when I was a student. Mm. And I had a bit of spare time, so I thought I would do a little bit of research. And initially I was interested more in getting the numbers of um, transgender people in prison. Mm. And then when I started doing research, I came across a study in 2008 <clears throat> called The Sexual Health and Attitudes of Australian prisoners, and in it they asked questions around sexual identity, and it was massive. It's like 30, I think roughly 30% of women in prison at that time in New South Wales and Queensland identified as as lesbian or bisexual. Um, Yeah, and I asked around, like I asked some of the women's workers, and they all said, yeah, it's well known that a large percentage of their clients um, or in relationships with women. And then I looked overseas and I found similar number of stats stretching back at least the last three or four decades. And it's this quite consistent trend that at any given time, about 30% of women in prison approximately will be lesbian or bisexual. And that's just, yeah, just a, I mean, look, it's not, it's not the case that 30% of women in the general population are lesbian or bisexual so there's something happening there and it's it's mm. under researched yeah do you ever um oh, i was interested that you started looking at stats on trans prisoners as well did you get anywhere with that because i'm 
Is there anything on that in Australia? Um, they asked. They asked questions around it. It's quite a lot of the times. Sort of surveying the numbers of trans prisoners is the way in which data has been collected hasn't been very accurate. Mm. Often because gender questions sort of framed as male, female, or other, and no one, no one really identifies as other. So it's only sort of been in recent times that people sort of broken it down into two questions and asked about people's gender identity, and then asked if they're either transgender or, or um, what sex were they assigned at birth, and that's giving more accurate data on how many trans people <clears throat> are in prison. Mm. But um, I'm not too sure. It's hard. In that in that survey, it didn't. I think there was like one or two in all of the ones that they surveyed. Yeah, yeah. there isn't very much. We know anecdotally that anecdotally, there's a lot of trans women, particularly people of color, indigenous trans women that are in prison in often men's prisons. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I know it's a big thing in the states. Yeah. There's been some research on it. I haven't found it as much here. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I only know anecdotally through what um, Inside Out are doing, that there is, like, quite a number of people they're in contact with. And mm. and with cases that oh, I spoke to Jules Kim from um, Scarlet Alliance earlier in the year, and she was talking about... Um, Oh, I've just I'm gonna blank, but yeah, she was talking about CJ Palmer, who's yeah, like based on this like criminalization of HIV, this stuff that shouldn't be criminalized. And I suppose I have big critique of prisons and that, but how she is in prison based on all this oppressive stuff that other people wouldn't be imprisoned for. Mm. Um, so that's another terrible situation. Um, mm. So moving on to what you've, you're looking at, why are lesbian and bi women over in, over-policed? Actually, I'll, I'll go back to that question after this. What stereotypes exist about lesbian and bi women in prisons? I think sort of conventionally the understanding has been that women in prison, like there's an expression called gate gaze, which basically means that, like, once you pass the gate, you're gay, and then once you're out, you're back into straight relationships. And that's kind of been historically the way in which um, like lesbian and bi women in prison have been understood. It's that they're, they're pretty much... It's, it's sort of like saying they're pretty much straight. It's just, you know, they're in prison, there's no men around, they need the comfort, and that's why they have relationships with other women. And like, and to be honest, it is, it's true for like a, a significant minority of when it's been studied, mm. um, that is the first time that they've had sex with women is in prison. Yeah. And then some of them will go on to have relationships with women outside of prison. But when they've asked about pre-prison sexual experiences, it, it hasn't been as straightforward as that. And a lot of those women were having or have had sex with women prior to incarceration. Yeah. That that starts to get you thinking about what sort of pathways might exist or like what's sort of going on in broader society that might lead queer women to coming into contact with police and the criminal justice system. 
Um, and then, then once you're sort of in that terrain, that's when you start thinking about, well, think about homelessness, let's think about substance use, let's think about family rejection, um, fighting back against homophobia, talk about homophobic stereotype, homoph- yeah, homophobic stereotypes in the criminal justice system, like seeing lesbians, especially black lesbians, as more aggressive and more masculine. Um, you can talk about policing, policing of gender and sexuality. And I think once you start to look at those sort of things, you can start to piece together what might be happening that, that's leading queer women into prison. Mm. But it's all under-researched. So it's all at the moment and sort of just speculating and piecing some things together. Yeah. Mm. So um, why are the uh, lesbian yeah. and bi women over-incarcerated? Yeah, we're touching on that, yeah. yeah. Could you talk more to, like, wh- why that's happening? Well, I just think it's, a, it's sort of going to be a combination of all of those social factors that are leading, um, like lesbian, bi and queer women, into the criminal justice system. So you could sort of see, like, you know, if it starts with family rejection and then family rejection could lead to homelessness, could lead to rough sleeping, could use to, um, like, substance use, which is also criminalised. And then you might be coming into contact with police and perhaps you're presenting, if you are more queer presenting, queer youth will say that you are targeted more by cops. Yeah. So... You start to think about that, and you can you can sort of see what what might be going on. Um, but what I really want to do is to actually do some qualitative research with um, with lesbian, bi, and queer women that have been through the prison system, and sort of ask them to see if we can get through hearing their stories, be able to piece together what's sort of going on. Mm. Does that all make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of, have you, so that's like a future aim that you're going to do that, um, sort of research. Yeah, actually. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, cool. Who, do you, are you going to do it, are there other people looking at this or it's, you're going to be initiating a lot of it? So I'm doing a lot of, um, like I'm co-authoring at the moment a paper with Paul Simpson and he's a researcher at UNSW. So sort of hoping to have the paper together at the end of this month, maybe. And then, you know, judging by the reception, by feedback, and then we can see if we can take it further, if there's interest in um, going a bit deeper. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So um, one other question. What what do you think the government or the community should do um, to help this women that are, you know, going through this situation? Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's quite a lot. And I guess the other thing um, that I didn't really say clearly before, yeah. um, but any, any work that looks at over-representation in Australia is also looking at the over-representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women as well. Mm. So... <clears throat> Like, part of the struggle is always going to be having to dismantle colonial power structures and racism and um, better fund Aboriginal community organisations that yeah. can, uh, you know, support mm-hmm. people in these situations as well as alleviate some of the 
worst effects of poverty. Mm. Um, but yeah, in terms of the wider community, I think, I mean, there's a lot of services out there for yeah. um, for queer women, but mm. they're not really targeted. Like women that have been through prison are, are quite a specific group with quite specific needs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they're often highly marginalised. They're often um, living in poverty. They're often homeless. So there is, I think there's a, a good challenge for people that are working in mainstream LGBTI organisations to have a think about if the programs they're running are able to reach out to um, criminalised women yeah. or like what things could they be doing to make their programs more inclusive, to make them more welcoming. Maybe they could actually be going into jails as well yeah. to meet with women, to promote services. Um, running community support groups, mm. um, thinking critically about the prison system, and yeah, and trying to bring trying to bring an awareness of criminal justice and the system into into all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Mm. So, do you think any of that is happening for now, or? Um. Not. No. <laughs> oh. Not that I can see. I don't know because I mean, you are in Victoria and. Generally, it seems like a lot of things are better funded down there and there's yeah. a lot more things going on. So it's totally possible that there are things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely been a lot more advocacy and attention around um, trans prisoners, yeah. which is good. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. nothing that I've seen for the wider sort of prison population. Mm. Yeah. yeah, one issue we have in Victoria, which is... I don't think is in place in any other state or territory in Australia is they've got this policy that bans prisoners having pen pals mm. and the community legal center has tried to do some advocacy on that. And that's something that I guess anyone listening could try and get onto and support because mm. it's pretty outrageous that prisons already designed to be incredibly isolating and mm. violent and they've got this like pen yeah. pal bound as well yeah so you can't write to prisoners in victoria yeah you can't be a pen pal you like they can receive some letters but you can't have a pen pal relationship i'm not sure exactly how it works but yeah okay. it's something that is banned completely mm. like you need to have an existing relationship to write to someone mm. i think they just censor it um I think I need to talk to someone involved in Inside Out to know exactly how they do it, but it is like a policy yeah. they have like have for a number of years now. Right. And sh- yeah. That's pretty bad. It is. <laughs> um, thanks so much for talking to us. Unless you have, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, I mean, you you plugged Lily's fundraiser before. Yeah, we should. I mean, I've known I've known Lily for for a couple of years now, and she's um, yeah, she's a gorgeous bundjalung sister girl who's been in and out of jail for a lot of her adult life. Mm. Um, she's a real survivor. She's super resilient, and if you've ever had the privilege of hearing Lily speak, you definitely wouldn't forget it. Um, so, if people do have a little bit of spare cash, I highly recommend um, you yeah, know jumping on and supporting her. Yeah. in her fundraiser for surgery. I should really, really appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, that really needs to be signal boosted and so that it 
can get to the amount of money that's needed. Mm, yeah. That would be really good to see. Um, thanks so much, Danica, for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Danica. Okay, see you um, later. Bye. See you later. Up next, we, I'm going to play Songbird by Mama Alto.
you're tuned into Korean Out on 3CR Community Radio. That was Songbird by Mama Alto, the fabulous gender transcendent pop diva here in Melbourne, Nam. Um, and the other month she had a record released. And so, yeah, she finally has this music you can listen to from your devices or whatever because she's been performing around this long time now it's been released so it's great to see that happening um and yes that was the blues are brewing by mama alto and you're changing crania on 3cr community radio um what um i don't know what it's like outside anymore but it was a sunny day listening to us on a sunny winter's afternoon um the next thing i'd like to talk about is the my health records which i'm sure many of our listeners would know about. Um, but yeah, this has been, this has popped up recently because for the next three months, there's a three month opt out period where you can opt out online about opt out of the My Health Records. And some background on the My Health Record is it's a centralized federal government scheme that centralizes all your health records from any hospital, clinic, any interaction, centralizes it into a database and it assumes that you're okay with all your data being centralized and then available to any health worker and that's like almost a million um any health worker you see to see that see the, your whole record um and a lot of people are pointing out and along with that there's also some reduction in um privacy rights in terms of who can access this and it's lower th- a lower threshold for police to access this. So there's a number of problems with this. Um, it pretty much outs people in context they don't want to be out. So we've, we're seeing a lot of the a lot of concerns from sex workers and Vixen has put out a, some information about that. Um, there's a lot of concerns because you don't want to be out, out in every context and every time you're accessing health. That's a safety concern for many sex workers. Um, there's also a lot of concern with, like, I suppose anyone that used, has to use health systems a lot, disabled people, HIV-positive people, trans and gender-diverse people often as well because you don't necessarily want to be out all the time and disclosing this stuff to people. It can mm. lead to more discrimination. Of course, yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, you lose your sort of autonomy by this automatic file with all your records on it um so there's lots of concern around that and there's also concern around yeah this file um a lot of people don't have permanent residency and citizenship and access to your easier access of authorities like cops and border force to your files could end up disclosing stuff that leads to deportations of people. So I guess uh, we we just can't trust the government and having all this information under their fingertips and under a lot of health workers, which might have views about particular people that you don't, that you just don't want to be out about and you don't want to, people to know about all this stuff. Mm. So it's really, and I heard it, this is, the way they're implementing this is similar to a UK scheme which ended up being a big failure. Um, 
and in the first day there was like the system crashed because you can opt out for the next three months, otherwise your file is um won't be deleted for another hundred and thirty years. It's some ridiculous like oh number they're God. keeping this file. Um, the system crashed because there's a lot of people, grassroots concern with this, and people are opting, are opting out of the system, which is really good. And I hope it kind of fails like the UK one. I just briefly heard sort of failed, and I hope it's the same for this. Um, mm. Do you have any feelings on this, Tracy? Yeah, I think um, it, um, it will invade um, anyone's privacy, you know, and... You know uh, how you talk about health. Health is all about confidentiality. Mm. You know, uh, I think that will be breached. Well, that's my thinking, and of course, it's not a good thing. Yeah, if anyone can access your health, you know, record and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is not a good thing at all, and we have to be really cautious and yeah that's why it's good that there's a lot of alternative media and a lot of people writing about this because yeah it is worrying that this is happening mm. um so yeah opt out of your my health record if any of these things affect you i definitely recommend it there is a website link and that only really works if you have a, a passport or driver's license i think but you can there's also a hotline number and you can ring them up. And I think I heard one friend had to wait 40 minutes to do that. So you might have to wait some time, but it'll probably be worth the wait. Yeah. Um, next, I'm going to play Shame and Desire by Habits. If you haven't got your pledge in for the Radiothon, please get that into us. Um, we do rely on your support to keep us going. Um, yeah, so we're coming to the end of our show today. Um, so we're just going to talk about some things that are coming up shortly. Um, next Saturday, there's two protests that have come to my attention. There is a bunch of, um, community members affected by the pretty horrible anti-black racism that Channel 7 have been putting out with some of their shows like Sunday night of organize, organizing a protest next Saturday at 2 p.m. at Channel 7 headquarters. And, and on Facebook, it's pretty, if you just Google enough is enough, you might, I mean, Facebook search that and also put a link to that in the podcast. That's coming up next Saturday. And also at the same time, there's a pretty disgusting conference that's like an anti-sex work conference and some people have Organize a protest against that. If you can find that by, um, yeah, finding protest A S A S E, which is the name of the conference. It's supposedly against sexual exploitation, but it's like a code coding for some horrible homophobia and people like Julie Bindle, who's renowned for being pretty terrible for sex workers and trans women, particularly. And I'm not looking forward to whatever stuff she'll be bringing to Australia in in the next week or two. Um, so that's also on the same time, Saturday at 2pm. Um, and that's at RMIT. And also coming up this week in terms of 
events at night. There's the Coco Butter Club. Yay! I have personally、uh, attended one of the events, and they are mind blowing. Go support the Coco Butter. Enjoy. It's on a Wednesday. What time is it, Iris? At seven p.m. Yeah, seven p.m. Coco Butter Club will be on. Yeah, at the Melbourne Melbourne Spiegel Tent. Yeah, check that out.、Um, yeah. I don't think I have before me who's the host this time. I think, yeah, check that out on Facebook.、Um, another event that's coming up that has caught my attention is、um, the poetry launch of the late, the second poetry launch of the late Lisa Belair.、Um, Aboriginal Country will be launched by Gary Foley on Tuesday, the twenty fourth of July, at the Bro- the Brothers Public House in Johnston Street, Fitzroy. Lisa was a much loved three CR broadcaster. The gig is a special event of the long running Passionate Tongues Poetry series. It's at eight pm, starting at eight thirty, and the launch at nine pm. I might be able to catch some of that if I go to the Coco Bird Club. I guess it's another clashing event. <laughs> So many things on at the same time. Yeah.、Um, choices. Hmm.、Um, uh, if you'd like to get involved with querying the air or have any feedback for us or ask any questions, you can get in contact with us via our Facebook or Twitter, and you can email us at querythingtheair without any gaps at gmail dot com. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.